Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. On today's episode, I am joined by my new friend, Anna Myers. Anna, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. So wonderful to hang out with you this morning. So good to have you. Her and I have only been talking for the last hour, and I was like, okay, okay, time out. We probably just need to go ahead <laughs> and, and hit record. record. <laughs> yeah, I know. So tell everybody where, where you're located. I'm located in the San Francisco Bay Area awesome. in Northern California. Very cool. And which is why it's funny, we, we've been talking tech for like the last hour. Of course, you're yeah. in the center of the technology world right there. And Absolutely. I'm assuming that plays a huge role in everything that you're doing right now is tech, right? Uh, it does. I mean, my, my background is in tech. I mean, I've, I had a, a long career as a programmer and systems architect uh, long oh, wow. before, you know, I've got a master's in information systems. So I'm really just a hack. Wow. And, uh, you know, total programmer. You can't take it out of me. I'm also all about data. So um, yeah. everything I do, it's all about processing data, managing data, and, you know, it's, that's me. So tell us uh, what your business is, because I think it's, it's, it's an interesting space, because I've had a handful of people on here recently that do something similar to you. I feel like you've taken it a step further. You're obviously in the syndication space with multifamily, yes. but give us a little bit of the background on your business. Sure. So, so yes, we are syndicators. I, I'm the vice president at Grow Capitus. Uh, my business partner, Neil Bawa, and I run a a company that is very technology focused because both of our backgrounds is in technology. We approach real estate with a data science lens. Hmm. So anytime we're looking at a deal, I'm, you know, I, I'm the underwriter of the group. So, you know, I'm underwriting the deals as well, but it's all about the demographics. We have very specific demographics we look at and very specific things we're searching for on a deal before we even look at returns. Hmm. Uh, and then, and then we have lots of ways that we asset manage our deal again, all about the data. So we're, we, we just love data. We've got our trackers that we've created that generate um, specific charts and specific trend lines so we can focus on where the properties are going. Um, yeah, data, data, data. Interesting. So you guys, I mean, obviously anybody that's going into another market, especially with, you know, if you're syndicating, you're bringing investors in, you're doing multifamily, you want to know about that market. I'm curious, right. what are you looking for? What makes a good market to, to, to buy multifamily? Great question. So, and let me clarify, we're not just looking at the market, we get down into the micro neighborhood. So let's talk market for a minute. In the market sense, we're looking for markets that have population increases. We don't want to be in a multifamily space where population is leaving. Right. So we're looking for population growth. And we're also looking for very specific um, job growth. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then that, so that's kind of at the market level. So we're understanding what's happening. Uh, some of the markets we really like, uh, and, and then job diversity, okay. uh, yep. as well as landlord friendly state. Yeah, that's, an, right? that's a big one, right? That's a big one. Yeah. And, uh, you also want to look at the County, I want to say, because the County, so you might be in a landlord friendly state. This is our situation. We're in Georgia in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, we're in the County of, uh, DeKalb. For two of our our, our uh, it's so funny buildings. Everybody that lives outside of Georgia says DeKalb, but it's it's <laughs> in Georgia we call it DeKalb. Okay, DeKalb. DeKalb, yeah, yeah sorry. Okay. So I've, we've got two <laughs> apartment buildings in DeKalb, and we've got one apartment building in um, Dalton, Georgia. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 so Dalton, Georgia, great. Georgia, Georgia, right? Yeah, Actually, sure. We have, th we have three now in Atlanta. We're just closing on a, a, a third, but the two that are in um, Lithonia, 
Mm -hmm. It takes, yep. if we need to evict somebody, it takes nine months for the eviction, 60 to 90 days. I know in a landlord friendly state in Dalton, if we needed to evict somebody, it would take two weeks. So you see, wow. landlord friendly does is not equally applied across all counties because it is reliant, reliant on the sheriff. Right? Sheriff. Yeah. yeah. What's funny, so, I've, I've definitely evicted people into Cab County before and, right. uh, and it's, it's, it never took us that long. I'm assuming maybe they must be backlogged. Otherwise, it yeah. wouldn't take that long. I guess the sheriff's just backed up and it's taken that long to get somebody out. 60 days at least. And, and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So again, uh, landlord friendly goes beyond the state. You need yeah, to look at, look at your county. Yep, 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 yep. That's a really good point. Interesting. And then from the micro neighborhood, yeah. we are actually looking, you know, within, and a micro neighborhood is just like a few blocks around uh, the address that your, that your site is at. Okay. Right. So what we're looking for there is we're looking for median household income of 40 K or above 40,000 okay. or above. Okay. Huh. If it's below 40,000 significantly, like say 28,000, uh -huh. what we find is that uh, your tenants are not going to be able to afford to pay you rent 12 yeah. months out of the year. Yeah. So we, that is a, a, a no go for us. We will not invest just like losing population. We will not invest in a micro neighborhood that is under, you know, significantly under 40K, unless there's a good reason for it. Now, here's one, you may have a good reason for it because there's a large retirement population. Yeah. Thus, their median household income is lower, is lower or right. a very large student population. Right. So if there is a median, a, a right. lower than 40K median household income, you need to understand what that's, what the reason for that is. Yeah. Now, and we're also looking at poverty levels. So poverty level needs to be below 10%. Okay. We don't want high, you know, high, high poverty level. Okay? Right. Yep. Um, and so well below 10% ideally. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And then unemployment in that micro neighborhood needs to be no more than 2% above the unemployment for the city. So whatever the city's unemployment is, you can just Google it and find out, you know, unemployment Atlanta, yeah. right? Then the, the micro neighborhood unemployment needs to not exceed 2% above that number. Man, you got your stuff dialed in. That's pretty specific. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's very specific. And now you, we may have, um, like, you know, we might have a, a site that meets, you know, four and a half of the five or whatever. And as long as we understand what's going on, there's other demographics yeah. we look at as well, but I just wanted to hit the highlights there. Yeah. Um, and, and we are, we are literally that specific. You know how many deals I, we turn around away deals every week, multiple deals a week that people are like, this is a screaming deal. And we're yeah. like, it doesn't meet our demographics. We won't bring it to our investors. I like it. I think it makes a ton of sense because you're right on paper, something might look fantastic, but there's those intangibles of, Oh, most of these tenants aren't going to be able to afford their rent just so you right. know. Right. And then you're going to have a lot of bad debt, which is a huge issue. Oh, running yeah. a, you know, running apartment buildings, bad debt is like the gorilla on your back. Oh gosh. You know? Yeah. yeah. That, so, that becomes nasty real fast. Yeah. Where are you getting some of this real micro specific data? Where, how accessible is that? It's super accessible, by the way, because this is public data that the government has to produce in the cities and counties. They are responsible for, for producing it. So some of it is census data, okay. which obviously is every 10 years, right. but a lot of cities and counties have to produce on a regular basis um, their, you know, this data. So in, in, for a free sense, you can go to citydata.com and get all kinds of information there free. Huh. Um, we really like Neighborhood Scout. It's a paid oh, yeah. service, yeah. Um, but we, you know, it kind of pulls everything together for me. So, yep. so um, we invest in, in that service and um, love that. And from a market level, we really like Local Market Monitor. Um, Ingo Windsor is um, the 
uh, brainchild behind that site. Uh-huh. He is a phenomenal, phenomenally bright human being. Uh, we really um, like local market monitors quite a bit to look at the market level of what's going on. Interesting. Local. Yeah. I've, see, I've heard of Neighborhood Scout and City Data. Never heard of local market monitors. Yeah, check him That's out. Fantastic. Ingo Windsor. Yep. Very cool. Okay, so you've been in this space. You obviously know your stuff. You got it dialed in. You're in the in the tech world. You're analyzing data. You're picking good properties. Out of these uh, multifamily deals that you've been sourcing, is there one deal in particular that stands out as your best ever? <laughs> yes, uh, there there is one that we are super excited about. Um, we love all our deals, so I don't want any of them to feel left out. <laughs> but but uh, today I want to talk about a deal that's in Dalton, Georgia, actually. Oh, very cool. Yeah, okay. right up, right around the corner. Folks. I will say this about Dalton: if you don't, if you guys don't know that, it is the uh, carpet capital of the world. It is, and right? and actually, interestingly enough, Ken, remember demographics, demographics, and all that research. The manufacturing is decreasing in Dalton, and really? healthcare and construction are increasing. So, so there is a shift that's mm. going on um, in that area. And as you and I also discussed um, earlier before, before we pressed record, um, Dalton is in between Chattanooga. It's about 20 minutes to, from Chattanooga, and then it's 60 minutes from Atlanta. And yep. it is the market that is experiencing compression yep. because it's between two powerhouse cities. Yep. Um, the other thing about Dalton is it's, it's landlocked because it's, in, it's, it's nestled in between the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. So, so there's not that much. Uh, it's very, it's very limited on how far they can go out. So, uh, it's a very nice community that a lot of people want to live in. Yeah. Um, and one other thing in terms of jobs, remember we talked about jobs coming to an area. Right. What's happened in Dalton is the Appalachian Port, the Re- Appalachian Regional Port in Savannah. Savannah was dug out recently so that they could bring in the huge ships, right? The huge container ships. Right. There's right. Not that the super containers. I think it was the, the you know super tankers, whatever. That um, there's only a few in the nation that have the ability to receive that size tankers. So, so interesting. Then they connected via railroad. The Appalachian Regional Port connects to the port of Savannah, and then goes all the way up through Dalton, like right up above Dalton. So really? That, yes. I've not heard that. Yes, and that just um, that just started. I think in 2018, end of 2018. It's called Appalachian Port. Appalachian Regional Port. Didn't know that. Look at it's yeah, in my backyard. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 really invigorating that that triangle. Sure, Chattanooga. Um, all I think it's to um, what is the one that's in in Alabama, or, or uh, uh, Huntsville probably. Huntsville, yeah. So there's a triangle there. Yeah, that yeah. is 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 really being um, juiced. Yeah. by by the jobs and and the support that manufacturing is being given. But at the same time, remember, it's not all about manufacturing in Dalton. The pie chart is is starting to diversify and the, yeah. the pie slices are starting to get wider, especially yeah. in the favor of healthcare, which is a great source of jobs. I didn't realize healthcare was big there. I, I do know that in the downturn that that Dalton got hit pretty hard because so much of its economy relied on manufacturing and nobody was right. constructing anymore. And so those factories got hit pretty hard. But but you're right. It is between two powerhouses. It doesn't have any chance but to thrive because right. it's in between Atlanta and, and Chattanooga. And I didn't know that about the, the hospital space. So, yeah. so how did you find this deal? How did you end up in Silicon Valley? How did you end up in San Francisco? How did you end up in Dalton, Georgia of all places? So um, as a syndicator, it, uh, basically you don't take down a deal by yourself. Uh, we yeah. do syndication in teams. And um, so I have a, a team member that I love, Gary Lee. He actually uh-huh. lives in Atlanta. He used to be a broker for many years for uh, Marcus and Millichap. Oh, yeah. but not, not a multifamily. Uh, I think he was like a office or something like that. Okay. 
So he was already buying um, multifamily with Mark Kenny, and they had bought an on-market deal with this broker in Gainesville and successfully closed that deal. And then the broker, uh, because they were that was went so smoothly, the broker said, hey, I've got this off-market deal in Dalton, Georgia. No one's taken a look at it. The seller's looking to, to make, you know, this, this is the number they're looking to make. So Gary underwrote it and he's like, hey, this number works. Now they had just closed this deal in Gainesville. So they're and they were doing a 506B, so friends and family not able to advertise, right, right? Right. And their database was a little tapped out. So that's why they reached out to Grow Capitus, to Neil Bawa and I, to um, come into the deal as uh, to bring equity into the deal, as well as we stay on the deal and asset manage. So we are a team now that is asset managing this, this deal. Now, in so this deal, um, had, it's a 1988. Is that the next question you were going to ask me, Ken? Absolutely, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you read my mind. It's all that data you got. You know I it. Know. <laughs> so, so it's a 1988 vintage. It's a class B building. Um, and it's right next to Dalton College, by the way. If you're oh, yeah. familiar with, I mean, it shares a, shares a, a, a landline with, with Dalton College. And uh, 151 units. But here's the interesting thing. It wasn't 151 units. It was actually 171 units. The seller had owned it for 20 years. So the Inman family out of Atlanta, very famous family. Oh, yeah. yep. They had self-managed, although they had 2,000 units that they were self-managing. They ran it very well. It was in immaculate condition, but this fire happened. Wow. So fire that happened in December of 2017. I think it was a college student that basically left left food on the kitchen uh, bur- on the stove burning yep. and was in the other room and the entire 20 units burnt down an entire building that sounds like one of my college roommates actually <laughs> <laughs> sounds familiar so, so they they basically cleared it off so there's this cement pad there and what did they do they took the insurance money and decided let's sell this thing okay gotcha gotcha so the financials were based on 171 units, but they hadn't been producing rent. So they, they had a, a huge um, vacancy, you know, the vacancy, they were still showing the vacancy on the Oh, book, oh, wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the way it underwrote was very much in our favor. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, um, and they didn't actually charge us extra for the potential of rebuilding which many sellers wow. would, right? Wow, So they yeah. only charged us for, for the 151 units. Okay. Now, we paid uh, 68K a door for okay. the, uh, the, it was 10.7 million, I believe, with 450K in CapEx. Um, but down the street, selling at the same time was an apartment building, similar vintage, that was like 72K per door. Okay. So we knew that we were, you know, doing well here. And in fact- And, and that didn't include the pads. That was just the, yeah, just the was, rentable units. Exactly. 68K for the rentable units. We didn't have to pay for the 20 unrentable units. Wow. Yeah, I know. So, so we, um, so, and at closing, when it was appraised, it was appraised at 450K higher so we, we already were, had equity, you know, at close of the deal. Nice. So we dedicated the deal. We brought in investors and um, Neil has experience in um, construction. So our company does, not only does multifamily value add, but we also do new construction deals. So for us, it was a perfect fit because it's value add um, with the existing 151. And now we are working with an architect to rebuild the 20 existing units. That's amazing. Yes, but there's been some twists and turns, Ken. Oh, of course, right? Of course, right? So 
So we're working with the architect and coming up with a design. Of course, you know, we want it to be very modern and all that. We're, the pad is there. So the, the, the hardest parts about construction and the riskiest parts tend to be entitlement and, and the, the, you know, the foundation, the zoning, all that stuff, permitting. That's all in place. We don't have to worry about that. And the foundation's already poured. So it's a very low, uh, fairly low cost to build, right? Wow, yeah. So when they came in to test the water pressure for the building, just as a normal thing they need to do, at, they came in and they said, there's not enough water pressure. Yeah. So we're like, that's weird. And they said, it's going to cost, uh, now this is from the fire line, okay? So this is from the fire okay. hydrant okay. perspective. Yep. Right. So they said, <clears throat> um, it's going to cost, and that, so that threw a wrinkle in everything. Yeah. And they said it's going to cost 110, <clears throat> dollars to $125,000 to put in this new line. Oh I know. gosh. Terrible, Oh my right? gosh. That's a first. I've never heard the water pressure one before. Right. Because it's, it's uphill, right? But yeah. still, it's 125K. So at first, we were looking at building the 20 units, and we were thinking it was probably going to cost, you know, like $2 million to, to build. We didn't have the numbers in yet. Yep. Um, and then we've got this extra, extra cost, and we're like, that might just kill the deal. Yeah. So what do we do, Ken? We put on our thinking caps and we said, why don't we just add more units? We can go up if we're adding more water. Oh yeah, right. Why does why do we have to do 20 units? Is the city going to stop us? The city the city was is fine with us adding more units because remember in Dalton there's not enough housing. Yeah. It's very hard, you know, so they're like, "Yes." So we're building 29 units now on, on the same pads like straight same, up. On, yeah, on, we're going up an extra level. Gotcha, okay. We are going out a little bit just to give a little bit more square footage, but not that we have to do a significant extra pour or anything. It's, it's you know, all going to be, you know, not very expensive to facilitate. Yep. Um, so that way we're able to absorb that 100 to 125K sure. cost. And also there, by the way, there's going to be um, at least 16 self-storage units in the basement because there's, it's not a basement. It's like the first level has a part that goes up against the hill Yep. where there's no windows that yep. you can't have any units. Yep. Well, self-storage doesn't care about windows. Heck yeah. So yeah. So self-storage units are going in that area and nice. then, um, and then uh, two units on the bottom and then all three levels going up. So it'll be a total of 29 units, um, two bedroom, two bath. And uh, uh, well, most of them are two bedroom, two bath, about a third of them are one bedroom, one bath. What do those rent for? Just out of curiosity. I'm assuming well, the new ones will rent for more than the rest yeah, of them. Yeah, the, the new ones will definitely rent for more. Um, we're dialing our, in our numbers right now, but you know we're looking. It's like 900 bucks for a two bedroom, two bath is what the market's doing. Yep. But ours, of course, are going to you know be be higher. And then we're still dialing in our amenities. So you know the 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 charge for there'll be washer dryers in every unit. There you know all the various things that you know the internet, all that yep. stuff. So, right. Right. And the rest of the units, you're, you're getting them at what? 68 a, a door. Yeah. And you're not yeah. putting that much money into them, 450 across however many units. Yeah. Are. So here's, that, that was another twist and something that people should know when they're, when they're evaluating a deal to be very careful about your CapEx budget. So when we were evaluating this deal, the assumption, the contractor went in there and, and said, Hey, you're going to be good with $3,000 per unit to renovate these. Cause they're in such good shape. It's, yeah. it's the, the same repair guy had been there for 20 years and he just done a fantastic job with everything. Well, guess what? I don't know where that contractor got his numbers from because even <laughs> the property manager that stayed on and she's fabulous. She's been there for tw over 20 years too. She stayed on with us. She's like, I don't know what they were telling you. We can't do these units for less than six to seven K to turn them. Wow. Over. Wow. So that's been a challenge because now we have to figure out our CapEx, but here's the good thing. 
that since day one, we've been able to deliver our investors 8% returns because the property is 99% occupied. Oh, that's if phenomenal. If it's not 99% occupied, it's 100% occupied. Wow. It's, it's like, it's like we can't, it's just like people, and guess how much the bad debt is? Delinquency, which is always, as we discussed, delinquency is a killer. Sure. 11 months of $0 delinquency. Zero. Come zero dollars. Come on. Wow. I'm serious. Dang. And our property manager on top of that, our property manager, so we set a budget for our expenses. You know, you set your budgets, right? And you, you track your budgets. She's under budget every month on expenses. Wow. She, so, so our net operating income already, without even building anything, our net operating income is just fantastic because we're hitting our numbers so well without even doing all the renovation yet. Yeah. That's from occupancy and no delinquency and, um, and managing expenses. So property management like, is, is, is oh, a, a yeah. big, big, big deal in multifamily. You well, not, and the fact that you got to inherit the existing property manager that knew the history had been around for 20 years and the maintenance guy, that's a huge thing too. He knows kind of all the nuances guy. and the he ins and outs. Every single unit. And here's what's a little crazy too. So remember they were self-managing. So these, these people worked for the, uh, the original family. We hired SMP as the manager. They're a very good company out in, uh, out in Atlanta. Yep. And the regional manager who manages the local manager, right? Um, she came in and she's worked with S&P for years. She used to work at the property that we were talking about on site and she managed the property manager in the past. They worked wow. together like 10 years earlier. Wow, that's crazy. So they're a phenomenal team. S&P has been fantastic at this property. I mean, they, yeah. they, I just give them two total thumbs up. I mean, every time we ask for something, they're like, how high would you like me to kick my feet while I'm doing that for you? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're awesome. just a wonderful team to work with. And um, so, so yeah, so we're, we're the, the actual property is doing great other than the fact that now, remember the CapEx is off. So now we're going to have to take money out of the operating expenses moving forward to, to renovate the units, yeah. but there's plenty of money to do it while still providing our investors with that 8% return. So, now, so they still the, get their 8% return. Does the, the investment in the CapEx, does that give you, uh, does that allow you to bump the rent up on this? Yes. It yes. does. So, it's so like from what to what, what are you thinking? So, so for a classic turn, so if that's, that's just like 900 bucks for a classic turn, it's like a 30 buck, buck rent bump over, you know, market rent. So let's assume sure. you're playing market. Yep. If we renovate, then it's $195 rent bump. Now that's huge. Yeah. It's a big rent. Bump. It's like a 20% bump, if not higher, depending it's, on what it's, you It's huge. So, uh, and of course, over time, our plan is to renovate 75% of the units. Um, we're yep. looking at a five-year hold. Okay. Um, now the original projection, um, not including the new construction for, that that we when we send it, when we did our webinar for investors was nineteen point six percent annualized return with a five year hold. Okay. Wow. So that's that's uh, yeah, good return, right? Yeah. Very good return. So um, so for those of you listening, if you put a hundred thousand dollars in, in addition to your hundred thousand dollars, you would get ninety six k back. Okay. Yep. Now with the um, the addition of the new construction. And I'm going to tell you for in a minute how we're looking to finance that. We are projecting that our investors will get actually over 30% annualized returns in that same five-year time frame. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's it's, amazing. It's a, it's a monster deal. So yeah. And one of the reasons we're, we're able to do that, Ken, is because we are not looking. Um, so because we're doing this new construction, an easy way out would just be to say, oh, let's bring in more investors. Yeah. Right. 
Let's bring sure. in more investors. But what does that do to your existing investors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little it bit diluted, them, right? Right. Yeah. It dilutes them. Well, that's not fun. So what we're doing instead is we're looking to keep just the same investor pool, and instead of um, having them raise money, uh, raising money out of that same pool, we're looking to just to get a a loan from the investors. Gotcha. A loan for eight months during the time of construction at ten percent, and then we pay them back. And okay. that way. That way, it's, it's a much cheaper way of accommodating it. We don't need to bring anyone else in. There's no construction loan. Yeah. We call their money in as, it's, as we need it. So, yep. so their money might only be in for three months. Yep, it right. could be in for eight months, right? But they're getting 10% return on that. Yep. And, then, and then once we finish construction, we refinance, right? Or yep. we, you know, to, and, and then we pay back. The, um, the investors because we've added 29 sure. units and 16 storage units. Sure. But we didn't incur because construction loans can really drag you down. Sure. You know, absolutely. It's a, big, a big unknown, the draws and all this. And then um, again, we'd have to have people would still have to like invest in the deal, this new deal. Right. So that would be bringing in new investors. So we're like, we don't want any of that. Let's get creative and let's try and, and, and make our investors that we have just have a huge win. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah, so it's a yeah. very short-term loan for them, but then on the, on the yeah. backside of that, they're capitalizing on all this additional rent coming in. Right, because we didn't bring anyone else in. Yeah, yeah. So their, their original investment did not get diluted. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So what are, you, what are you guys projecting five years down the road? Is it is an exit? You guys yeah, sell in yeah. five years? Yeah, so five years. Okay. I mean, well, it would be like four years at this point is okay. the projection, right? Because it was originally a five-year deal. And, and with the building, the, the new construction is only going to take eight months. Okay. So, so we're already almost all the way through the, the drawings. Um, and then uh, the lease up is only going to take three months because, you know, 10 units a month is not going to be a problem in this market. Sure. Yep. You know, we're already, it, it's crazy. So. Yep. So what do you anticipate uh, the value? Because you're at what? You were at 10 sevens, which paid for it. You put another right. 450 in it. What do you think it's going to be worth in, in four years? Our, our current estimates are about 19.5 million. Come with- on. I'm serious. <laughs> Come on. Oh my gosh. And that's, and, 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 you know, so it depends on, you know, if we're looking at that market, it's a tertiary market, right? It's, yeah. it's not yeah. Chattanooga, it's not Atlanta. Right. So, you know, we're looking at like a six and a half cap is how we, is how we calculated that number. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good number. Yeah. I mean, you might it's, even it's, do better than that. Who knows? I, I agree. I think, you know, it, it is a very strong Metro, but we didn't want to be overly aggressive. So that is how that number was, you know, achieved is the potential, the projected net operating income divided by the projected cap rate of six and a half. I gotcha. And yeah. how much, how much are you guys putting in for the new construction? The new construction is going to end up costing us about 1.9. Okay. Yeah. So call it two, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So you guys are literally going from maybe 13 million to 19 million over the course of five years. Correct. Phenomenal. Yeah. That's amazing. What a sweetheart yeah. deal. Yeah. And you're at 99% occupancy before you've even renovated. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really a deal that's working on all, it's just firing on all pistols. Yeah, you know? yeah, beautiful. So, so you having, you know, obviously you look at a lot of these deals, you've done a lot of deals yourself. Having done this one or being in the middle of this one, is there, what have you learned from this? What would you do differently going forward into other deals or what lessons can we extract from the way this deal kind of came together? Um, well, definitely the CapEx, you know, because if you get your CapEx wrong, it's very challenging. We're, we're very fortunate that this deal is, is firing on all pistols. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be very challenging to, to move forward with our original um, plan. Right. Um, so in that t- at that time frame, the sellers did not want 
the property manager or the repairman to to speak to um, the potential buyer, and that was a handicap for us because if oh, we wow. had, yeah. they would have they would have disclosed to us right away like that's crazy. Yeah. That person smoking hopium like that's not that's not real. <laughs> right. um, so anyway, however you can, you need to make sure that your capex budget is is accurate, and of yeah. course your 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 rents. We weren't our rents weren't the problem. We we had good rents yeah. in this case. Right. And um, yeah, so you you always have to make sure your numbers are good. Do your due diligence. And uh, I would say that be careful about bad debt. Now, this this uh, particular property doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, but that's what makes it such a rock star deal. We have other deal, other deals, other in other areas that are struggling with bad debt, and it's yeah. a big, big challenge. It's one of the biggest challenges you can have. Yeah. Is how do you deal with people that are living on your property and not paying you rent or constantly owing you money? It's really hard to keep your numbers working. Yep. If people aren't paying you what you're supposed to be making. Yep. So always be careful about the bad debt on a deal. Never, never look at a deal and say, well, they were, they, their bad debt was running at 6%, but I know I can do it for 3%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 6% bad debt. I'd walk away from that deal. And that's, I mean, I wonder, sometimes that speaks to the property managers being a bad property manager. Sometimes yeah. it speaks to the area. So they're right. So you need to look at the bad debt in the area. So speak yeah. to property managers in the area and more than one, by the way, sure. um, to, to actually get a real sense of what is the true bad debt. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not an area you should be investing in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's a good word yeah. of caution. Well, Anna, congrats on pulling this awesome deal in my backyard. Yet another amazing yeah. apartment deal. That's right. I need to remember this uh, next time I find a hot Dalton's, apartment deal. Oh, by the way, if anything you buy in Dalton is just gold. So if it's a single family, Dalton is an amazing market. If you can find something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and very, it's still affordable, affordable right? I mean, it's, even compared to Atlanta, affordable. it's very affordable. Yeah, and Chattanooga, which is why people True. are living there. Yeah, you know? yeah, the great town yeah, too. And I, and I know apartment apartment building that you could rent a, a unit in. Too. That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. she's got some. It'll be brand new in a year from now. It'll be so. brand new, and we might do furnished rentals on top of that, Ken, because of all those medical um, workers nearby totally. and nearby yep. hospitals. The new, the new, brand new apartments are going to be phenomenal for Airbnb. Or yeah, like a corporate housing type situation. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Killer. Well, congrats on putting together a very, very cool deal, Anna. This, is, this has been awesome. And then thanks so much for coming on the show too. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. I was happy to be here. Talk soon. Bye. All right. All right. Sit tight, you Deal Farm listeners. We've got more coming up in just a second. But for right now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to pick up your phone. Now, if you're driving, just wait till you get to the next stoplight. I want you to go to your Amazon app. I want you to type in Profit Like the Pros. You'll see my paperback book published by Bigger Pockets come up. Okay, now just hit the order button. See how easy that was? Here's the deal, in just two days, you're gonna be enjoying 25 amazing stories of seasoned investors sourcing and funding and profiting from all types of real estate investments. Okay, back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so today I'm with my friend, Anna Myers out of San Francisco. Anna does apartments. I'm, I'm just curious, Anna, is there one deal that stands out as like your worst deal ever? Uh, it is, but it's not an apartment deal. Okay. All right. So, well, that's yeah. good. 
yeah. It, um, so it actually was a, um, a deal that, uh, again, I'm, I'm a data oriented person and I didn't do my data due diligence on this deal. Yep. It's a single family um, that I bought in, it was a 1031 that I was doing. Um, and so I was looking, right? And looking, 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 you know, the stress. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Clock's ticking. So, the clock's ticking. So um, this deal, I live in California, um, can't buy anything in California. Prices are too crazy. So I'm looking out of state. This deal was in Diamond Head, Mississippi. So Weird. how did I get oh. that there, I mean, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, how the heck? Well, yeah. my brother is a forensic architect and he was working in Diamond Head, Mississippi uh, related to Katrina. So this was right after Katrina. Okay. And Diamond Head, Mississippi was like a luxury golf community that was up on a hill. So anyone that was in, uh, you know, out down in that area trying to do work basically had to live in Diamond Head because everything else was flooded out. Okay, right? yeah. And so my brother said like, hey, this would be a really great place to buy houses because this is going to, for a long time, no one's, you know, they're, they're going to be workers here. Yeah. This, is a, this is a mess out here. And so he actually was doing a 1031 too. So it was like a family deal that you know, gotcha. came. So, so yep. he bought a house out there. And so he found me a house and Hey, he's an architect and he's my bigger brother. So I'm like, yeah, I didn't even go see the deal. Right. <laughs> right I got, right. got connected family. with property manager, family. Right. <laughs> so I, I bought that. Right. But here's the difference. He bought his like a couple weeks before me. His closed a couple weeks before me. Great. Yeah, Good for yeah. him. When mine came up to close, the state of um, the state of Mississippi had changed the rules related to insurance. And now they required this hail and wind insurance on top of your regular insurance. It was incredibly expensive. Oh, they, no. were, they were trying to recoup, right? They yeah, were trying to recoup, yeah, yeah. Right? So at that time, this was in 2006 okay. uh, when I bought this. Okay. Yep. So at that, I'm pretty sure it was 2006. So um, at that time, I, I was not a very experienced real estate investor, obviously why I was having my brother buy a house for me. <laughs> right. um, so I, um, I was like, oh, uh, the numbers, the rents are so good. I, I think it's still going to work and it'll be fine. And the person that was selling it knew that it was going to be a problem. They actually offered to pay half of it for the first year. And um, to get, you know, as part of closing, yeah, so I was yeah. like, great, this is going to be great. Well, guess what? It wasn't great because I'm going to own it for more than a year. And what happened is the entire area started going down. Now I, I didn't do my data, my data due diligence to understand who was living there and what the jobs were and what would keep people there. Right. Yeah. Well, it ended up being that nobody could afford this new insurance so people were starting to lose their homes left and right. Oh, no. right? Oh, my so gosh. the area became a ghost town. Nobody could own. So everybody, everything was being rented out. So the, the cost of rents dropped, like bottomed out. Right? Oh, no. And so then I was paying $800 a month out of my pocket with a tenant in place for the mortgage and the insurance. It was nuts. And eight hundred dollar a month negative. Wow. But because of not just the mortgage, but because of that that big insurance. Yeah. So oh I ended up gosh. having I ended up having to do a short sale because I was like I'm oh, either going to get man. dragged down yeah. I, I'm going to get to the point where I can't pay my my primary mortgage because I'm trying to support this this deal that's never there was no there's no site that was going to turn around right was it a go so, zone were there any tax incentives or anything like that no because after no, Katrina there was a bunch of that I remember not in Diamond Head okay. no there wasn't so it just was it was a city that just died it oh just wow completely died. And uh, there was no turning around. In fact, my brother, because now he, when he went in there, he got grandfathered in before that, that insurance. So he didn't have to pay it. So his wow. house, he actually just sold it. This is 2019. He just sold it, but it never made him much money. It never yeah. was a very, yeah. because it, but the area never recovered. 
Right, he right. He was able to make it work because he had got it in at such a good, and he didn't have to pay that insurance. Yeah. But it never was a good area. So I ended up doing a short sale. I was able at least to salvage, you know, salvage it and do a short sale versus a foreclosure. Sure. My, my credit got hit for seven years. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm through it now. Yeah. But I would say if something like that changes in your deal, you walk away. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, something like a, a big number like that. It doesn't matter if the, the seller offers to pay the first full year for you. Right, right. You know, this is this is a, a, a long-time investment, right? So yeah. that and also do your due diligence, understanding who's living there. Yeah. Who's yeah. living in that neighborhood? Who would be your renter? What rent can they afford? Right, right. Yeah. I guess if there was ever a time to have done a short sale though, 2007-ish, 8-ish, yeah. somewhere in there probably yeah, was I the time to do uh, it. It was 2000. Uh, it was definitely 2008 or 2009 yeah, that I did right. a short sale for sure. So if there and, was a time to do it, that was the time to do it. Yes. Uh, but, did you do short sales in that, that time frame? I was buying short sales. Yeah, I lucked yeah. out. I didn't hey, get, did you buy one in Diamond uh, No, luckily, <laughs> luckily I did not buy one in Mississippi. Uh, but there were a ton of short sales at that time. But you know, I, I, even if it was one of those things, the bank sort of knew everybody was getting nailed. And so I feel like people were out of coming out of a short sale, even two years down the road, were financeable again. It didn't kill you yeah. for seven years, like a, like a foreclosure or a bankruptcy would. Yeah. It just, it, it, it still hurts, you know? Oh, but, go, going through yeah. it. I'm sure it was ridiculously painful. It was, it was. No, yeah. no wishing on anybody, but you are right that, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not as bad in that time frame versus, you know, a moder more modern time frame. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you took your lumps. You learned from it, obviously. I you did. leveraged everything you've learned and, uh, and now, you know, you've got a, th a thriving business and you know how to underwrite a house, right? And an oh, apartment I complex. I, I can underwrite. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> know how right. to underwrite those things. Know how to look into the data. Exactly. Anna, thanks so much, man. This was a fantastic one. Thanks, Ken. All right. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.